And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the illustrious Lisa Wolf. In this hour, it's a detective episode of Mr. Chameleon, starring Carl Swenson from 1948. But it's time now for Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous? The Music Edition. Lisa will play clips from famous Rod Stewart songs. Um, no, we're, we no? did that already. Oh, no, holiday songs. <laughs> we did Rod doing? Stewart and name that tune, so we're on to some holiday music. Oh, holiday music. I thought you were going to do Rod Stewart songs. We did Rod Stewart songs. Oh, and provide a statement about each song? My job is to guess if the statement is real or ridiculous. Very simple, right? You know right? what I think is ridiculous? That, that we're doing, doing holiday, holiday songs. songs. It's January. It's yeah, fair game. That's all right. Okay, thanks, though. <laughs> all right, <laughs> let's play the first song. Okay. It's Jingle Bells, right? It's Jingle Bell Rock. Jingle Bell Rock. Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell Rock. Jingle Bells swing and Jingle Bells ring. Snowing and blowing up bushels of fun. This is a good one. Now the right? jingle hop. Well, it's about a month late. But... All right, that's okay. No such thing as late. So here's your statement. Here's my statement. Right. So Jingle Bell Rock was first released by Bobby Helms in 1957. Helms's version is featured in the movie Home Alone 2. Is that real or ridiculous? Hmm. That's the original version in 1957. I'm going to say that the original version is not in it. I say it's ridiculous. Okay, so let's play the clip from Home Alone 2 and see what version it is. And there's plenty more where that came from. It is Bobby Holmes from 1957. Oh, man. So it's real? <laughs> it's real. Yep. That is from Home Alone, too. Yep. The original uh, 1957 I stink version. at this game. Why is it that I'm so bad at this <laughs> I game? I couldn't answer. You know, you haven't really won any of the segments thus far I know, this I've evening. been just terrible the whole... <laughs> I mean, I didn't say that, but <laughs> just pointing it out. And I had a nap today. Oh, well, I guess that's not going to do it for you. Know, I guess that's it? not the pre- not quite pre- enough. <laughs> Provagen. You didn't take your Provagen. I did take Provagen. <laughs> you did? Okay. Yeah. Well, I just I didn't. Know. And I napped, too. I mean... Mm. Oh, well. We have to keep working on it. All right, so I'm 0 for okay, 1. Okay, let's go to the next song. 0 for 1. Ba-boom. 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 
Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me. Been an awful good girl, Santa baby. So hurry down the chimney tonight. That's Eartha Kitt. That's right, Santa baby by Eartha Kitt. Uh, this was originally released in 1953. Santa, here's your statement. Uh, Taylor Swift covered this song. Hmm. Is that real or ridiculous? Taylor Swift. I think it's ridiculous. All right, well, let's hear it and see who it is. Yeah, it's not Taylor Swift. Santa baby, slip Taylor Swift. What? <laughs> Come on, Lisa. 2007, that's her. Listen. good girl, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. That's Taylor Swift. Really? It is. She'll wait up. Right. Exciting, right? I'm over two. <laughs> yes, you are. All oh right. My gosh, I just stink at this game. 50 <laughs> 50. Just you're thinking too hard, I think. I guess. All right. Let's go to the next holiday. Uh, right. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. I like this song. You can see I picked the songs I like. You just have to dance, right? It makes me want to dance. I told you, these are fun. Okay. Feliz Navidad, first recorded in 1970 by Jose Feliciano. Okay. okay. This song is featured on a 2011 commercial for Dodge. Cars. Mm. Ridiculous. ridiculous. Ridiculous? It's not Dodge. No? All right. Well, let's hear it. See what it is. Here's something to brighten your holidays. From Hyundai. Hyundai. Hyundai, not Dodge. Got one. You got one. All right. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. All right. All right. I got one. You got one. This is your holiday spirit. That sounds oh, like video uh, to the Hyundai. You know who that YouTube is page. talking right there? That's uh, that's uh, Bridges, Jeff Bridges. Really? I, oh yeah, hundred percent. How do you know? Just I can tell. I know his voice. voice. Oh, it's Jeff Bridges. Absolutely. All right, we've mm-hmm. got one more song to go. Okay, let's hear it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, rocking around the Christmas tree, originally recorded by Brenda Lee in 1958. Mm-hmm. Adele covered this song in mm. 2020. Hmm. I can see her doing this. I'll say real. All right. Well, let's hear the recording and see who it is. Justin Bieber. Christmas tree Christmas <laughs> That's a big difference between... It is. That's Justin Bieber. I just can't now. Oh, man. So, I, so I you got, got one out of one, four. <laughs> one out of four. How bad am I at this game, Mike? <laughs> I can't answer that. Didn't do too well. That's okay. It's not your night, though, in general. <laughs> Mike, did you have a bubble bath today? Of course. Okay, good. 
just want to make sure he's nice and relaxed and had a bubble bath. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that would be good for you, Carl. Mike Bubble Bath Costella. I stink at this game. I don't know what it is. You got one. Gosh. It's about as good as it gets. Oh, well. All right. All right. Good try. Well, thanks, Lisa. Sure. You're tricky, man. I know. <laughs> You're really tricky. All right. When we come back, we're going to play a uh, detective adventure of Mr. Chameleon. We have never aired one of these in 16 years of being on the air. So I'm looking forward to it. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. All right. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are, Lisa. We've been doing this show a long time, you know? Right. Just the three of us. Lisa, me, and Mike uh, Bubble Bath Costello. 2009. Wow. It's a long time. It is. And uh, you know what? I what? love it. I have not. Uh, I, I, I love doing the show. I um, spend um, eh, quite a bit of time during the week. At least 10 minutes each At least week five. At it. least five right. working on it. Or more. During the week. And uh, I'll, t- I'll call Lisa. I'll be like, hey, Lisa, what are you doing? Are you working on the show? She's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be like, what are you doing right now? And I'll what be does it like, take you? Really ridiculous. Five, four or five hours to do I, all this I, stuff? You know, I don't usually do it in one sitting. Oh, okay. So I don't really measure Maybe the because time. this is a lot of work. I mean, It what, is a lot of work. When you're not here and I have to do all this, I'm like grumpy right. having yeah. to do all well, this. Well, you're generally grumpy anyhow. You know, like, but if you want to blame it on that. I got to do that. this. I got to do all these segments. It's, it's a lot of work. I got to pick show. I got movies. Right. And then I have to do what I do, too, right. when you're not here. So stop. We were... Stop Taking what? vacations, would you? I'm not. I'm I'm going on vacation, but I'm coming back in time for the show. Oh, thanks. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, take me with. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to New York. So here's the here's the interesting thing. You know, these shows are 70 years old. A lot of them. Yeah. And I and you think you know I have over a hundred thousand shows. I have over a hundred thousand shows. And you think, oh boy, I have one or two episodes in that series. Too bad the series was on for years. I have two episodes, you know, in my collection. And then all of a sudden, through the many collectors, um, a really uh, great collector named Doug, and um, and also Martin Grahams had a lot to do with uh, discovering these master transcriptions of Mr. Chameleon. And uh, thanks to Doug um, Hopkinson's, uh, thanks to Doug, I was able to uh, get copies of these. And... Um, Share them with our listeners. So we're going to play an episode of this series. It was a detective series, and he was a master of disguises, Mr. Chameleon. He changed his appearance in every episode to track down the killer. The announcer would assure the listeners that Mr. Chameleon's disguise will at all times be recognized by the audience, so don't worry about it. And he was a college-educated detective. He strived to live up to his name by taking on the color of any situation. Very cool series. Carl Swenson starred as Mr. Chameleon, and Frank Butler was his slow-witted sidekick, Dave Arnold. It was created by Frank and Ann Hummert, who also brought us Mr. Keen, Tracer of Lost Persons, aired for five years, sponsored by Bayer. So here's a broadcast 
that I know you're going to like. It's called The May and December Murder Case, October 6, 1948, part one now of Mr. Chameleon. Tonight, we again present the famous Mr. Chameleon of Central Headquarters in his most famous cases of crime and murder, brought to you by the makers of Bayer Aspirin. As all of you know, Mr. Chameleon is known in the police as Chameleon, the man of many faces, who appears in various impersonations to track down his prey. The audience always knows who Mr. Chameleon is, but the criminal he is tracking down seldom does. Tonight we give you Mr. Chameleon and the May and December murder case. Heartbreak can be such a quiet thing, unaccompanied by hysterics or even raised voices. And as Barbara Roberts sits talking to her husband George in the attractive living room of their 12th Street home, she almost wishes that he would cry out in protest. And she says to him... Oh, George, I can't bear to hurt you. You don't know how I hated to tell you this. I'm glad you've told me, Barbara, darling. It it wouldn't have helped either of us if you'd put it off. But it seems so unfair. You're such a good man, George. You've never hurt anyone, least of all me. Ever since I was a child and you were appointed my guardian, I've loved you and depended on you. But not as a... Not as a woman. You loved me the way a child loves her father. I... I never should have married you. The fault was mine. I told you there was too great a difference in our ages. And I laughed at you. I was so positive I could never love anyone else. I was sure you would someday. That's why I insisted that if that ever happened, you tell me immediately. I... I suppose you want a divorce. Yes, George. All right, Barbara. We'll arrange it as quickly as possible and don't feel too badly. It'll all work out all right. I... I want you to be happy. That's the important thing. George, you haven't even asked me who the man is. No. That's the one thing I don't want to know. Later, perhaps, but right now, I'd rather you didn't tell me who he is. And and now, Barbara, go to bed and get a good night's rest. In the morning, we'll discuss the details. Good night, darling. Sleep well. Barbara. Barbara, wake up. It's nearly half past eight and breakfast is ready. Barbara, I want to talk to you before I go to the office. Barbara, answer me. Oh, what's wrong? Why don't you... Barbara, what's happened to you? She's dead. She's dead. Operator, operator, give me the police. And a few minutes later, still so shaken that he can hardly speak intelligibly, George Roberts kneels again beside the body of his wife, and with him is the famous detective, Mr. Chameleon, the man of endless disguises, 
the underworld's most feared man who is saying compassionately, uh, Mr. Roberts, you needn't stay here. You wait for me in the living room. I'll question you. No, no, I'd rather stay. There may be something I could do. Mr. Chameleon, who could have done this to my wife? Who? Twisting a rope around her throat. I, I always hated to have her sleep at this room alone. The window opening into the garden. Yes, these um, ground floor apartments are very easy to get into. Where'd you sleep last night, Mr. Roberts? Uh, in the study, way at the front of the apartment. You heard nothing? No, sir, not a sound. Our maid comes in by the day in time to get breakfast. I, I knocked on Barbara's door. Breakfast was ready, and besides, we had something we wanted to talk over. And I, I found her. I found her like that, Mr. Chameleon. She was too young to die. Too young and too beautiful. Forgive me, Mr. Roberts, but uh, she was a great deal younger than you are, wasn't she? Over 20 years younger. You happy together? There's something I must tell you. Our marriage was at an end. My wife asked me for her freedom. Were you willing to give it to her? Yes, Mr. Chameleon. I loved her. Was there another man in the case? I'm afraid there was. Who? I have no idea. Apparently, my wife's been meeting him secretly for weeks, but she didn't tell me his name. I, I didn't want her to just yet. Well, you must have some idea who the man is, Mr. Roberts. Some suspicion. No. Well, this is terribly important. We must find that man. We, Mr. Chameleon? Uh, yes, Dave. That's Detective Sergeant Arnold. He's been going over the garden. Uh, come in through the window, Dave. What's the matter? Did you find something? I'll say I did, Mr. Chameleon. Several footprints on the ground below the windowsill. And the same size footprint on the windowsill itself. Look. Oh, but that's a wound's footprint, isn't it? Well, it's either that or the man had a very small foot. Uh, what size shoe did your wife wear, Mr. Roberts? Oh, oh, quite small. About five and a half, I think. Well, this footprint is at least a seven. I'll take that, Mr. Roberts. Hello? Hello, George. Oh, George, I just heard the dreadful news. The police called Donald Hilton and he called me. I, I couldn't believe it. Are you all right? Is there anything I can do? Uh, just a moment and I'll see. Who is calling, Mr. Roberts? Why, Lydia Clarkson, her secretary. But I thought you were George. I'm sorry to uh, disappoint you, but my name is Chameleon. The detective? Yes. Uh, Mr. Roberts, will you take this call? You can take it in the hall. It's your secretary, Miss Clarkson. Oh, oh, uh, Mrs. Clarkson. She's a widow. Is she hysterical? Slightly. Oh, well, I might as well talk to her. One of the most horrible features of a thing like this, Mr. Chameleon, is having to talk to your friends. Dave, who's Donald Hilton? Some sort of a partner in Robert's brokerage firm? Yeah, Mr. Chameleon, we've already checked on him. He's not exactly a partner, sort of a junior executive. Young? Mm, about 30. Mm-hmm. Fifteen years younger than George Roberts. Dave, I think we'll pay a visit to that office. Not only would I like to meet Mr. Hilton, but also that loyal secretary, Mrs. Clarkson, who calls her employer by his first name. What you must have thought of me, Mr. Chameleon. I, I mean my being so familiar with the man I work for. But I, I was so sure. Did you try to make your voice sound like his? What makes you think I do a thing like that, Mrs. Clarkson? Well, after all, you're famous for your disguises. 
When I heard you were on this case, I, I fully expected that you'd walk in here disguised as somebody else. It's a little too early in the investigation. You... you mean that later... Uh, Mrs. Clarkson, your interest in me is extremely flattering, but I am more interested in you. How long have you been employed as George Robert's secretary? For many years. We're old friends as well as co-workers. George is one of the kindest, the most decent men I've ever known. And that silly young wife of his fooled him completely. For months she'd been cheating on him. I know, I know. Who is the man, Mrs. Clarkson? Who is the man? Donald Hilton. Yes, Mr. Robert's partner, or whatever you want to call him. That's who Barbara had been meeting. I saw them several times having luncheon together. And poor George never knew about it. He trusted him. That's he... enough out of you, you vicious old troublemaker. Now it's my turn to tell Mr. Chameleon a few things. Mr. Hilton. As if I'd ever do anything to hurt George Roberts. A decent, trusting guy who's been like a father to me. I could kill you for saying a thing like that. One murder is quite enough, Mr. Hilton. Confine yourself to talking. I, I'm sorry, Mr. Chameleon. My nerves are all shot. As soon as I heard you'd been put on the case, I knew there'd be trouble. Well, you're both extremely flattering. Uh, I mean, I knew she'd make trouble. Only I expected you to come in here in some sort of a phony get-up. Sorry, I disappointed you. Uh, what were you going to tell me, Mr. Hilton? Mr. Chameleon, don't listen to him. He's just trying to divert attention from himself. Ask him if he didn't take Barbara to luncheon. Ask him if he didn't meet her on the day she was murdered. Yes, I met her, but it was perfectly innocent. A darn sight more innocent than your feeling for George. Be quiet! You expected George to marry you. You'd been in love with him for years and you expected him to marry you. Did you, Mrs. Clarkson? Yes, Mr. Chameleon. And, and he would have married me if that girl, Barbara, hadn't suddenly made a play for him. She was 20 years younger than he was, and he couldn't resist it. It meant more to him than my love. I see. Mrs. Clarkson, what size shoe do you wear? What? What size shoe do you wear? A 7B? Why, yes. I thought so. Sorry, Mrs. Clarkson, but I'm taking you to Central Headquarters to hold you for further questioning. <laughs> He's going to hold her 7B shoe for further questioning. Kind of like Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to find the other shoe to match. And he's That's like, right. <laughs> you know, uh, when you listen to this, and I have not heard very many, I've, I've you know, just got these masters in. Um, I think we have about 80 episodes, Lisa, mm -hmm. in this kind of quality. So we'll air um, every, you know, couple of months or so we'll air one. Um, the May and December murder case, Carl Swenson, a fellow Carl, although he spells it with a K. Right. Oh, man. Well, it's his mom's fault. You but, know. Yeah. But when you listen to this, you can you can kind of hear the earmarks of uh, Frank and Ann Hummert. They uh, they also brought us Mr. Keen, Tracer of Lost Persons. This sounds a lot like Mr. Keen. You know, that same writing style and the pace and all that. But these are cool. I like it. Mr. Chameleon. We'll get back to it and more of Hollywood 360 after these messages. I'm still 
If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Yeah, so this show was so popular, this Mr. Chameleon show, that there was a spinoff program called Mr. Iguana. I gotta say that again. There was a spinoff called Mr. Iguana. And then they had another one called Mr. Lizard. You know that? Mike, were you aware of that? I only heard the one about Mr. Gecko. Oh, wait, what was that? I only heard the one about Mr. Gecko. Takes me a little while. The the button is not right exactly in front of me. I have to move like a couple of inches. And then I have arthritis in the shoulder, so I got to. It's like, ah. To but get you over, got there. Just to get over there. Took a few I, I, take, I take one for the team. You know, I move all the way over there to get that. I'm in pain Ooh, yeah. doing it, and I try not anyways. to, you know, make a big. So that we can all try not know, to have you feel all feel sorry you. for me because I'm in pain when I have to hit that button over there. Like right now, oh, that's Ooh. like, uh, <laughs> like that hurts doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you're not, you don't care, huh? Oh, no, I do care. You don't care that I'm I in do. pain hitting these special effects? You. Although you don't have to hit them. I know. I mean, life would be all right if you didn't. I could just make it for you. I go, Oh, you can just do the sound effects yourself. Right, so you don't have to. Thanks, make a Lisa. Just like raise your hand, make like a, make a one. A sign. A one is a, is the is the rim shot. Right. Two is the buzzer. Exactly. Three is the ding ding. I'll ha- d- ding ding. Is I'll have to. I'll have to make a little you know sheet with that. Five is evil sheet. laugh. Mike gives me one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine. It's all he trusts me with. Right. He only well, gives me nine. I'll make nine. a little cheat sheet, and you can put up a number, and I'll make the sound for you so you don't have to move thanks, your arthritic thanks. shoulder. That's very nice of you, Lisa. You know, there's uh, thousands of uh, facts, thousands that we have in the system. Mike gives me nine. Well, that's all you could handle, and that's obviously <laughs> too figures, many. <laughs> he probably figures, you know what? Let's, let's not keep confu- it simple. Let's not confuse him. Yet. You know, he yet. Has to, <laughs> he's got an on-off for his microphone. He's yeah. been doing that pretty good. Sometimes I forget to turn your microphone on. Yes, you do. Although I'm pretty sure that that's purposeful. And I have this uh, these nine sound effects over here, right. but I only use like three. I pretty much two. So Mike's probably thinking, what is he talking about? I, he's got, he only uses three. Rim shot, buzzer, ding, ding. If right. I give you two money, you're going to hit the wrong ones. Yeah, I already he hit He does that, that anyway. <laughs> Even with nine, I mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're listening to Mr. Chameleon, the May and December murder case. Um, Carl Swenson. I, I'm going to, I've got to protest this spelling, though. Yeah, I got to. 
this See what Carl you can do with a K. It. It's got to be got to change that. Uh, hope you're enjoying this. Uh, here's the conclusion. Well, Mr. Chameleon, you've got to say one thing for Mrs. Clarkson. She was telling the truth about Mrs. Roberts and Donald Hilton. They did meet for luncheon half a dozen times. So it looks like he's the man in the case, all right. And, Dave, it looks as if that footprint was made by Mrs. Clarkson. You mean you don't think it was? Didn't say that, Dave. Something about that footprint I find very puzzling. Anyway, I want Mrs. Clarkson released. I want her to be free to move around so that we can follow her. Come in. Mr. Chameleon, uh, I'm Philip Clarkson. I wanted to see you. Ah, uh, yes, Mr. Clarkson. Your mother spoke of you. In fact, you're just in time. We're releasing your mother. Dave, take care of that, will you please? Yes, Mr. Chameleon, right away. Do you sit down, Mr. Clarkson? Very glad you came. Mr. Chameleon, I... I've been waiting to come, but my mother didn't want me to. You see, she tried to keep me out of it. Mr. Chameleon, I'm the man that Barbara Roberts was going to marry after she divorced George. What? Yes, it was my mother who introduced us. Poor mother. She never dreamed that I'd fall in love with Barbara, but I did. Last night before Barbara was murdered, she phoned me to say that George was willing to divorce her. Well, I was pretty sure he would. He's, he's so decent and fair. Well, last night I was happier than I've ever been in my life. Mr. Chameleon, in the name of heaven, find out who killed Barbara. That's all I want, to find out who killed her and have them punished. Even if it's your mother, Philip? My mother? What do you mean? I, I know you brought her here to central headquarters for questioning. She's but... under suspicion. We brought her here because the evidence was so strong against her. She's going to be released all right. I told you that. But you realize that you have added to the evidence against Mr. her. Mr. Chameleon. Can't you imagine how your mother must have hated that girl? She robbed your mother of two men. George Roberts and yourself. Yes, my dear young man, your mother must have hated Barbara Roberts. That doesn't mean that mother killed her. No, I don't believe it. You can't accuse mother. Just uh, notice that motto on the wall over the desk. The innocent must be protected, the guilty must be punished. Right now, Mr. Clarkson, let's you and I have a little talk about shoes. Shoes? You suspect my mother of being a murderess, and then you, you tell me you want to talk about shoes? Can't think of a more fascinating subject. I'm also interested in the state of Barbara Roberts' finances. We can talk about that, too, though, uh, most of all, I do want to discuss the subject of shoes. A human life may depend on the result of that discussion. It is the following morning, and at Central Headquarters, the famous detective, Mr. Chameleon, is in the office of the Commissioner of Police... And in Mr. Chameleon's manner, there is that restrained excitement which the commissioner knows so well means only one thing. Like a human bloodhound, Mr. Chameleon has struck a scent. So here is the setup, Commissioner. For the past year or so, Donald Hilton has been handling Barbara Roberts' financial affairs. She confided in young Philip Clarkson, naturally, since she loved him. Though she never actually accused Hilton of mismanaging her finances. But you think he did, Chameleon? I think it's quite possible that that is what lay behind her secret luncheon dates with Hilton. Mm -hmm. She knew that something had gone wrong with her financial setup, and she wanted to have it out with Hilton before she went to her husband. But George Roberts was her guardian as well as her husband. Didn't he manage her trust fund after her parents' death? Uh, technically, yes, Commissioner. 
But Philip Clarkson tells me that Roberts put most of it in the hands of Hilton as a sign of confidence. This was his way, says Philip, of showing his faith in Hilton. And his faith was betrayed. If you ask me, Chameleon, George Roberts is one of those big-hearted suckers who are always helping people and will always be betrayed. Ah, but he is loved and admired, Commissioner. A sucker's reward. Don't be cynical. Let's see, uh, Roberts Bank is the Gotham Trust Company, and connected with that trust department is a man named Stephen White. Oh, a friend of yours? Oh, a very intimate friend of mine, Commissioner. In fact, when Stephen White removes his straggly moustache and drops his nervous habit of repeating everything twice, you'd almost swear that we were one and the same person. What? You see, Commissioner, we are one and the same person. Oh, you mean you're going to ask the bank to send you to Mason's office disguised as their representative? Exactly, and they will. I want to ask a few questions regarding Barbara Roberts' trust fund. I also don't want to disappoint Donald Hilton and Mrs. Clarkson. They both express such interest in my various disguises. I think they should get a close-up view of one of them. I'm curious to see how they'll react to Stephen White... Mr. White, you did say your name was White, didn't you? Uh, that's right, uh, Stephen White. I represent the Gotham Trust Company. I uh, represent the Gotham Trust Company. Yes, I heard you. But both Mr. Hilton and Mr. Roberts are busy. Uh, you're the secretary, aren't you? You're the secretary. Not anymore. I'm just gathering up my things What's and I... Hello, Mrs. Clarkson. I heard voices out here and I... Oh... Well, who are you? Uh, my name is Stephen White. I've been sent here by the Gotham Trust Company to question Mr. Hilton. You, Mr. Roberts? You, Mr. Roberts? Well, yes, but why on earth should you question Mr. Hilton? We have reason to believe that he mismanaged your wife's trust fund. Oh, but that's ridiculous. Not at all, not at all, Mr. Roberts. At any rate, I would like a few words with Mr. Hilton. Oh, very well, Mr. White, come in, but you'll never convince me that Donald Hilton isn't the soul of honesty. a half hour later, and Mr. Chameleon, the famous detective, in his disguise as Mr. White, is questioning Donald Hilton. With them is George Robert, who says... Well, Mr. White, what do you say now? Are you convinced that Mr. Hilton is thoroughly honest? That he couldn't have misappropriated any of my wife's money? Your faith in him, Mr. Roberts, is enough to convince me. Your faith in him is almost enough to convince me. Almost? What do you mean, almost? Do you mean you still think you should go through my books? No, Mr. Hilton, I am quite satisfied that everything is quite on the level. If the bank decides otherwise, that's uh, something else again. But as I say personally, I'm quite satisfied. Well, that's more like it. Good heavens, Donald has been like a son to me. I believe in him implicitly. I believe in trusting people. I... Mr. Roberts, forgive me for bursting in this way, but there's a man outside who says he must see you. He claims he's from the Gotham Trust Company. The Gotham Trust Company? But Mr. White here represents the Gotham Trust Company. I told him that. He seemed amazed. His name is Whitlock, and he insists he came to question you about Mrs. Roberts' trust fund. I don't understand it. Don't understand it. I am the one who was sent here to talk to you, I'll gentlemen. go out and speak to him. I'm sure there's some mistake. Wait here, Mr. White. I'll be right back. It's the weirdest thing I ever heard of. Weirdest thing I ever heard of. The bank sending two men on the same errand. Yes, isn't it? Weird is the word for it. Very bad timing, if you ask me. Don't follow you, Mr. Hilton. Mrs. Clarkson, what does the man look like? Uh, medium height. I think he wears a toupee. Thick glasses. Toupee. Mm-hmm. Very clever. But not clever enough. Still don't follow you, Mr. Hilton. Still don't follow you. I don't expect you to, Mr. White. 
but Mrs. Clarkson does, I imagine. Yes, I think both of us know who this Mr. Whitlock really is. Hello, Gotham Trust Company? Uh, this is Mr. Chameleon calling from Central Headquarters again. Has Mr. Whitlock come in yet? Well, when do you expect him? I see. Well, have him call me immediately. Yes, at Central Headquarters. Not in yet, Mr. Chameleon? No, Dave, and it's getting late. Whitlock should have reported the bank over an hour ago. All the stupid oversights. Why the devil didn't they warn him that I was posing as their representative? Ah, oh, there he is now. Can't be, it's too quick. Hello? Oh, yes, Commissioner. What? When? I see. That's what I was afraid of. All right, Commissioner, I'll stop in later. What's the matter, Mr. Chameleon? They killed Whitlock, Dave. They killed that poor devil, thinking it was me. The police found his body in Hancock Park. Driven out there sometime today and riddled with bullets. You want us to pick up Mrs. Clarkson and... No. No, wait, I have a better idea. I want you to make some telephone calls, Dave, to Donald Hilton, to Mrs. Clarkson, and to her son, Philip. Tell them that Mr. Chameleon wants to see them tonight at George Roberts' house between 8 and 8.30. Don't discuss it with them, Dave. Just give them the message and hang up. Mr. Chameleon wants to see them between 8 and 8.30. The Mr. Chameleon somebody thinks he has murdered. certainly never know who you are, Mr. Chameleon. Done up in that impersonation of Stephen White. Well, I hope that nobody else will, Detective Sergeant Donald. Otherwise, I am in very real danger. Well, here I go into Robert's apartment. I'll hide here and come in if you need me. Good luck. Thanks. Mr. Roberts. Oh, I, Mr. White. I do hope that I'm not disturbing you, Mr. Roberts. I hope I'm not disturbing you, but I simply had to see you. Oh, that's quite all right, Mr. White. Come in and sit down, won't you? I'm, I'm glad to have company. Since my wife's death, this place is a nightmare to me. Mr. Roberts, I'm still disturbed about that man Whitlock who came to your office from the bank. I'm still disturbed. Oh, you expecting company? No, 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 I wasn't. Uh, the maid will see who it is. But as I was saying, that man who came to your office, uh, I, I was frightfully disturbed, frightfully disturbed. I, I do hope you don't think that I was the imposter. Hello, George. I... Am I late? Is he here yet? Oh, uh, hello. Evening, Mr. Hilton. I'm so glad that you came, because I was saying... Is who here yet, Hilton? Well, Mr. Chameleon. He said to be here between 8 and 8.30. Chameleon? Why, he never said anything to me about it. Uh, here he is now, probably. Shall I let him in, George? Oh, the maid will do that. Well, who is this chameleon? Who is this chameleon? I well, don't he's... understand it, but they asked well, us to come Mr. here. That's not Mr. Chameleon. That's Lydia Clarkson. Hello, George. Mr. Hilton. Oh, good evening, Mr. White. Did Mr. Chameleon tell you to be here, too? You mean he told you, Lydia? Well, somebody called me, George. They said I was to meet Mr. Chameleon here at your house. They told my son, Philip, the same thing. Philip came with me. Hello, Mr. Roberts. I don't know what this is all about, but since Mr. Chameleon asked me to be here... Uh, I... Who is Mr. Chameleon? Who is Mr. Chameleon? Uh, he's a detective. Yes, a very famous detective, Mr. White. Oh, 
Well, in that case, perhaps um, I know what he wanted to say to you. What are you talking about, Mr. White? Well, you see, Mr. Roberts, um, in the course of our investigation of your wife's financial affairs, we unearthed several facts. We unearthed several facts. Among them, a little matter of a pair of shoes. Shoes? Shoes. Shoes. Also, Mr. Roberts, we learned the name of the man your wife intended to marry after she divorced you. What? Yes. Uh, that man, Mr. No, Roberts... No, I... I don't want to know who he is. Oh, Mr. Roberts? I don't want to know who he is. Please, Mr. White, I... I don't want to hear his name. I think you should, Mr. Roberts. I think you should. No. It is Mr. Clarkson. Philip? It was you, Philip? You that Barbara loved? You that she was leaving me for? You... That must be Mr. Chameleon. Oh, I hope no, so. No, it I... can't be, Mr. Chameleon. It can't be. I'm not taking any chances. George! Mr. Roberts, if he walks through that door, I'll shoot him down, and this time, this time, I'll make sure he's dead. George, what's the matter with you? Are you out of your mind? Put away that Shut gun! Shut up, you! You and your son, I'll take care of him, too, after Chameleon. George, darling! Keep away from me, all of you! What do you know about me? Good old George, good old George, so kind and forgiving, understands everything, puts up with everything. Up to a point until something explodes. That's always been your trouble, hasn't it, Mr. Roberts? That you could carry things too long and never show the strain until you finally blew up. Till you struck what the without devil warning. you know about it, White, you little pipsqueak? I'll take care of you, too. I'll take care of all of you if I have to. But first, Mr. Chameleon, when he walks through that door, first the great detective, Mr. Chameleon, and here he comes. Dave, don't come in. Stay out there till I call you. And you, Mr. Roberts, drop that gun or I'll shoot. You're facing in the wrong direction. Mr. Chameleon is behind you. Chameleon! Mr. Roberts, you heard me. Drop that gun. All right, now turn around. Look at me, Mr. Roberts. Do you admit to the brutal murder of your wife? Do you admit to planting that footprint on the windowsill because you knew that Mrs. Clarkson wore a 7B shoe? Her son told me that you once gave her bedroom slippers as a present, so you knew the size she wore. You went out and bought a pair at nine o'clock, 20 minutes before you called the police. George! Oh, George, how could you? The murder of your wife, Mr. Roberts, was a crime of passion, but you were also worried lest she take her trust fund out of your hands. Because, with Donald Hilton's assistance, you misappropriated her money. But, Mr. Chameleon, he, he told me he was reinvesting it for Barbara's own good. He, he convinced me it wasn't criminal. He was doing it for her. I don't doubt that, Mr. Hilton. Good old George. Who could possibly guess that that kind and balanced exterior concealed a second man, a cold-blooded criminal? What do you say, Mr. Roberts? You... You shouldn't have put the pressure on me making me think that Chameleon might walk in when I was sure I'd already killed him, telling me the name of the man my wife was in love with. The doorbell ringing a third time, I... I never could stand pressure. Never. Never. All right, Mr. Chameleon. Take me with you to Central Headquarters. You're the only person I've ever known who understood me in time. When I am dealing with criminals, Roberts, I have to understand how their minds work. Because very often, my own life depends on it. And with these words, Mr. Chameleon concludes tonight's murder case. 
Listen next Wednesday night at the same time for Mr. Chameleon, the man of many faces in The Case of Murder and the House of Whispers. The part of Mr. Chameleon is played by Carl Swenson with dialogue by Marie Balmer from the original story by Frank and Ann Hummert. Music directed by Victor Arden. Your announcer is Howard Claney. Listen, everybody. Thousands of laboratory tests on scores of individual teeth show that new Lion's toothpaste actually gets teeth brighter. Two and a half to five and a half times brighter than any of the five leading brands, brighter by far than any other toothpaste. And the reason is that it's not just another old toothpaste with an added ingredient, but is completely new and radically different in formula. A new kind of toothpaste that cleans without soap and polishes without chalk. So get more brightness in your smile. Go to any drug or toilet goods counter and ask for Lion's Toothpaste. Listen for Mr. Chameleon in The Case of Murder and the House of Whispers next Wednesday night at this time. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. All right, I like it. I give it two thumbs up. I like Mr. Chameleon. October 6, 1948, the May and December murder case, the first time we've ever aired a Mr. Chameleon show. But we have like 80-plus episodes that sound like that, thanks to um, some very um, good pals of mine, Martin and Doug, who uh, discovered these shows. So I'm really excited about it. And uh, we'll play we'll play more, and we'll put some in the Classic Radio Club as well, and all that good stuff. Uh, Carl Swenson starring, Howard Claney announcing on there, was sponsored by Bayer Aspirin and... Dr. Lyons Toothpaste. All right? right. Sound good for you? Yep, that's what I use. All right. Uh, time for this month. Nope, it says it's not time for this month. It's actually time for Sarah's Backstage Pass. Hi, Carl, and hello to all of our listeners. Tonight, I'm going to talk about a movie that is playing now in theaters. Women Talking. It's rated R. It's based on true events that happened in 2010 in an isolated religious community. I wanted to put this film on your radar as it's getting lots of Oscar buzz. We were given two days to forgive the attackers before they returned. We hardly knew how to read or to write, but that day we learned how to vote. Do nothing. Stay and fight. Leave. Leave. We do not forget these men. Director Sarah Polly adopted a popular book into a masterclass in filmmaking. Stars Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, and Frances McDormand. Four stars out of four. All performances are riveting. Just know that this film is not for kids or family viewing. Next up, Acapulco. This is a family-centered, fun, good-hearted TV series. It takes place in 1984. The 80s music and wardrobe add to the scenes. It is streaming now on Apple TV Plus and has two seasons. I really enjoyed this series. It's very funny and will take you away to a beautiful setting with a variety of characters. Three and a half stars out of four. Uncle Maximo! Here we go, 
decided to tell you my life story. It all starts in a couple This was the deciding moment in my life. For a poor kid from the streets of Acapulco, the way to a better life was a job at Las Colinas, the most glamorous resort of all. Thanks for listening in tonight. I'm Sarah Knight Adamson, your film and TV critic for Sarah's BackstagePass.com, and I'll see you next week. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. In our next hour, this is your FBI Plus. Lisa Wolf Dillon is our lyricist for Learning the Lyrics. That's right. We are going to be doing songs that begin with the letter D. And when we come back, we'll get Mike's prediction for how well huh. you'll do, although this D. isn't your night. Huh. All right. Okay. That's all in our next hour. See you soon. It's time to rethink. Renew and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody, Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather, the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire, become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.